bring greetings from New York. Uh, thank you for allowing me to go last week and spend time with my son and being able to minister in a youth ministry, youth conference. So uh, I felt like grandpa to a lot of them, but it was a lot of fun and we had a good time. And then obviously on Sunday morning as well. So we'll just, you may have been itching a little bit because I did brag on you a little bit, um, but don't worry, I'm back. So we'll just take care of that right now. No. It's good to see some of you this morning and, uh, and more of you here today. And so thankful for that. And um, thank you, Joe, for uh, preaching last week for me. And I've uh, made a commitment this week to not talk about donkeys. So there's no donkeys in today's message whatsoever. If you, someone was disappointed. No. There we go. But uh, it is Resurrection Sunday, and he has risen indeed. So we are thankful for that. And again, when you come to an Easter message, you should come expecting to hear about the resurrection because it is very important to our faith. Uh, it's, it's central to the gospel. It's central to our hope. Uh, it's essential to our eternal life. And so it's a big event and it's a big deal um, to our faith. And so we should, as believers, celebrate it. And so we're going to do that this morning. And if you have your Bibles, or if not, it should be up on the screen. We're going to look at Luke's. Now, I could have picked any one of the Gospels. Uh, the great thing about the resurrection, it's so important that it's in all four Gospels, and they're all good to read. In fact, I would encourage you maybe to take a look at it because they all have different aspects of the, the resurrection. They all fill in a little bit of that story, and there's some differences because people telling about a story have different perspectives, and there's different audiences that they're speaking to and how they see an account. I would venture to say if we took a, a poll next week on how you see this Sunday morning and how that went, we would all have different accounts of it. They would all be accurate, they would all be correct, but it comes from our own perspective, and the Gospels are no different than that, and again, the story fills in if you read all of them, but we're obviously going to look at one of them this morning, and Luke is the one that I've chosen for this Easter to go through. And so, that being said, let me read on here. On the first day of the week, early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. A couple of things that are interesting, right? The, the, the timing of the way that things worked, they were to go the next day and to prepare. And again, they were going to expecting to find Jesus' body. And sometimes we give folks on that side a little bit of a hard time because Jesus predicted it. He said it. Scripture said that he was going to rise again. But again, we don't expect that, right? They were no different than us. We would have a hard time believing it. And if we didn't see it, and even then, if we saw it, we might still question what truly took place. And so these ladies are going, and you can imagine what's on their hearts as they're going, right? This is not a happy walk. This is not something that they cherish to do or something they want to do. They're going to prepare a dead body and prepare it for burial. And so all that entails, and again, they're doing it out of love and respect, but they're not happy about it. It's a sad walk, and they're doing it early in the day to get it done so they can go on from there. And then again, to their surprise, they get there and the stone is not there. It's rolled away and there's no body to do it. And so with that, there would be lots of questions, right? Lots of good questions. 
Verse 4 says, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood there beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Again, these two men, and again, it says men, but it says that they were not really men. If you dig a little bit deeper, they're actually angels that are speaking to them. They're messengers sent by God to tell them that Jesus has risen, right? And I love that question. It's one of those interesting things that is in Scripture, and it's only in Luke's account, but it says, why do you look for the living among the dead? Yeah, remember, they're going to a tomb. They're going where it's basically a cemetery. And when you go to a cemetery, you expect to see people that are died, right? Tombstones, graves. It's not a place where you expect a lot of people. And so that question must have stopped them in their tracks. It must have made them think a little bit, right? Why do you look for the living among the dead? And really, these messengers are making a declaration, right? Jesus is not here because he's not dead. <clears throat> and so it's, it's a proclamation from God affirming the fact that he is not who is risen. Verse 6, it says, Remember how he told you while he was still with you at Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Right? A reminder. Right? And sometimes we need that reminder. I think even as believers today, we still need that constant reminder of our faith. A couple of times I, I've taught evangelism class, and when we go through presenting the gospel, quite often people get the first part of the gospel very clearly, right? Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And then they kind of tend to stop there. They leave out the rest of the gospel, which is no gospel, right? There's no hope without the resurrection. If, if Jesus had not defeated death, there is no hope for us. Jesus would have just been a martyr, Right? just a sacrifice. But the hope that we have through Christ and his resurrection is where our faith is, and that's where the gospel is made complete. And so it's an important part, and we need to remember that, especially when we're sharing with others and obviously for ourselves, that, that hope, the hope that lies ahead of us. Verse 9 says, When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Jonah, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. Gives you some insight to who these women were that came to the tomb. Right? They, they went back. They, they said, he's not there, right? He's, he's gone. The tomb is empty. And we saw these two angels say that he's risen. Right? They have good news. Right? You would think that they would be credible witnesses at this point. But not so. They did not believe the women because their words seemed to be like that of nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of again lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now, again, we, we, we tease Peter often about being bold and saying things without thinking, but you gotta love his his excitement, his his adoration, his hope in many ways, right? And so he gets word, and he runs out on ahead. We know from John's account that John was also with him, 
right? So it's not just one, but Peter arrives, and guess what? It's just as the ladies had said. The tomb is empty, right? The, the linen is there, but there's no body. He's not there. The stone's moved. Peter would have understood all those things and would have realized that these ladies, even with, at best, would not be able to move the stone, and certainly why would they come up with this story? Yet he's still wondering to himself what had happened. Right? All these questions running through his mind. And again, Peter had heard the same word. He'd heard Jesus say to him, hey, I'm going to die and going to be raised again on the third day. I'll, I'll, I'm coming back. For the sake of time this morning, I'm going to skip over the, the next section, the road to Emmaus. And again, it would be good for you to read. And, and it's another encounter with Jesus, again, after his resurrection, another um, showing of himself to the believers. And I'm going to skip all the way over to verse 36 because I want to pick it up again where he shows himself to his disciples. Right? Verse 36 says, So while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Now Jesus is speaking right to them. He's shown up unexpectedly. He's right there and he's speaking to them, Peace be with you. You have to know, Jesus knew that this was, not going, to, this was going to be unsettling, right? This is not going to be just a, a casual. He wasn't invited to the party, but he shows up as the main guest. Verse 37 says, They were startled and they were frightened. They thought they had seen a ghost. Again, disbelief, right? They're, they're shocked. They're, it's not the norm. It's not what they were expecting. And Jesus tries to comfort them, and he says, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Right? Again, very much different. He is showing himself. He's making that a witness to him. He's showing them the marks. He's showing them where he was crucified, where the nails were put in, right? And again, he's not appearing as an angel. He's appearing as a man standing there before them. Glorified body, different, but still Jesus. And he's speaking to them. They should have recognized him at this point. In fact, I think there's even a little bit of frustration. I can, I'm going to jump in a little bit here, but he says, you know, the, why do the doubts arise, right? It's like, come on, guys. You should know that I'm here. It's me. He, he's telling them, look, you can touch if you need to. Verse 40, it says, When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they are still not believing, it was because of the joy and amazement that he asked him, Do you have anything here to eat? Again, if it's not enough that he's talking, not enough that he's there and that they can see him and touch him, he's actually going to eat with them, right? He's going to actually eat them, right? Nowhere in Scripture do we see where angels eat, but he's actually eating with them, right? He's, hey, it's me. I am resurrected. I'm here with you. And so they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and they took it and ate with him in his presence. Got to say, even this morning's message, there was a lot of fish in the story, right? So I think God has that special place for fishermen. But, and we're going to get out. We are. We are. We're going to get off the ice pretty soon, I hope. Uh, verse 44, he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. 
It's a great thing about Jesus is not only is he, he shows them and he, he tells them, he reminds them of what the scripture says, right? This is not unexpected, really. His resurrection was predicted. If you read back to the Old Testament over and over again, it points to this day. It points to his life. It points to his sacrifice, and it points to his resurrection, Again, we have the advantage of kind of looking back through time and reading through that, and we can see how that fits into place. But obviously, the people at the time didn't always see it. And even here, his disciples missed the point. They missed the fact that that Jesus said he was coming, and yet he's there in front of them, and they're still struggling with belief. Then it took something even a little bit supernatural. That verse 45, especially in Luke here, opens it up a little bit. And again, he's recounting it, and he says, um, as he's taking the information, he goes, then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures, right? They needed help. It's still not registering. They're still not getting it, right? And how many times as believers do we sometimes forget those things, right? We forget how faithful God is. We forget how important it is our salvation. We forget about our sins, even, and how we need to ask for forgiveness. We forget those things, or we lose track of them. And so I can cut them a lot of slack. I can certainly understand their unbelief, because guess what? At times, I have that same problem. I forget, and I need it brought to my mind. And so, again, God uses many things to open our minds, and here, he opens up their minds to the Scriptures. He reminds them. They would have known these things. Verse 46, he tells them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, you are witnesses to these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. Again, Jesus is now setting them up, right? It's a, a, transfer, a transfer of the gospel, right? He says, I, I've done it. I've gone to the cross. I've risen again. I'm, and now I'm going to give you help to spread the good news. All Jesus is really asking is just tell them about me. Tell them what I've done. Tell them that I've died on the cross for their sins. Right? Share the good news. We talk about it often, but we sometimes don't do that, where we hold back on that. You know, verse 48, you can put, we are a witness. Right? As believers, we are a witness of the work that Christ has done in our lives. And so Jesus encouraged him to go for, forward with that. I'm going to jump here a little bit in scriptures because I want to show the importance of today and the resurrection. So if you're again with me, jump a little bit to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's a, Paul, much later on, makes the, the case for the resurrection because just like in that day, just like today even, people doubt that. Maybe some of you read the, the book by Lee Strobel, The Case for Christ, right? Excellent book, right? He starts out not believing, and by the end of it, he believes because there's just so much evidence, right? The resurrection happened. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a story. It's not something made up. It is truth. And so the scriptures speak to that, and Paul certainly speaks to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so we're going to jump to that part of it again just to testify to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
says, now, brothers and sisters, I want you to remind you. Again, that reminder. We all need that, right? That reminds you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Love how Paul puts it, right? Not only is he reminding them of the gospel and how important it is, but that's where you stand. That's the only way you stand as a believer in Jesus Christ is on the gospel. The complete fullness of the gospel. Verse 2, he says, By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. Right? Paul's making the argument, right? You need to hold on to that. You need to, to... recognize that truth and hold on to it firmly. What God's Word says, right? There's all sorts of false gospels out there. There's things out there that are not true. Study the truth. You know, I've used the old illustration, but it still holds true, right? The old bank tellers, they used to to have them look for phony bills, right? It was typical for $50 bills. That was kind of the common one that they would try to caution. What would they... And instead of studying all the ways, because there would be hundreds of different variations, what would they have them do? Study the original, right? Look at the original. Get so you know all the details of the original, right? Then you'll recognize when there's something phony. Same thing today. Study the scriptures. Study the word. That's the original. That's the lens that we need to look at things through, especially with the gospel. And then you can take your stand, as Paul says. And then he repeats it here, the gospel for us, just in case we miss part of it or the importance of it. It says, For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance, that Christ died, on, on the, died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 other brothers and sisters at the same time, most whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Again, Paul's writing this much later down the road. This is is years down the road, and he's saying, hey, some of those are not here. Those eyewitnesses aren't there, but many of them still are. You can go ask them. You don't have to just believe me, but you can go check with them as well. Again, when there's a crime or an accident, right, they're always looking for an eyewitness, right? And in most cases, one witness or even two witnesses, it's usually a shut case from that point on. The two witnesses agree, and they tell the account, Judge usually rules in favor and things go on. Certainly there's much more than that to the resurrection. The 12, and more than once, we, we read earlier that he showed himself to them, and then over 500 at one time. Many eyewitnesses to the resurrection. And so it's no fluke. I often say the, the resurrection is hard to disprove, not only because of the eyewitnesses, but for the fact that these folks are willing to die for it. So it is true that Christ rose from the dead. It's without question. It's without, to all the apostles. He even goes on to say, Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last he appeared to me, also to one abnormally born. Again, Paul's humility here, right? Paul realizes he's kind of on the tail end of this. He's the, the last of the ones to come into that that. that, that road to Damascus experience that he becomes the apostle, right? He spends that time with Jesus then, much after the resurrection, but still nonetheless. And so Paul realizes that, and Paul testified that Paul dies because of this as well, because of his belief in Jesus and what he did. 
Verse 9 goes on and says, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not, do not even desire to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and, this, and his grace to me was not without effect. Right? We know Paul's story, right? Paul went from persecuting the church to leading probably, arguably, one of the greatest missionaries to help plant new churches, right? Total reversal, right? Total reversal in his life. We saw a drastic change from his conversion. Hopefully that's the same can be said for you, a, a change, a turnaround, right? Once we become believers in Christ. And he goes, no, I worked harder than all of them, Yet not I, but the grace of God was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach. And this is what you believe. When it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Again, many years later, they were still doubting that resurrection. And even today, there are people that doubt it. There are faiths that are, built, faith that are built on the fact that Jesus was a good man or even that he was a prophet, but certainly they don't acknowledge his resurrection, they don't acknowledge him as the Messiah, and they don't acknowledge him for dying for our sins. A lot of them have no question about who Jesus was, but they don't, know what he, they don't preach what he did or the fullness of that, or they try to add to it. Again, that false teaching of the gospel. But the resurrection is key to the to our faith into the res uh, key to our gospel. It says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. And again, if you take that and look back through that, our faith is dependent upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that is what our faith is built on. And that's why we come together today to celebrate this. Right? That's our hope. And the resurrection, we, we have hope. There's more than what we see here and now. Yeah, because sometimes it's not always pretty here and now, right? But it gives us hope, hope for the future, hope to see loved ones. Joe mentioned seeing his dad. There are many saints that have gone beyond before us, and it will be great that day to be worshiping again with them, worshiping our Lord and Jesus Christ. And so that hope should spur us on. That hope should give us that joy that we have knowing where we are going. Again, you have to be a believer in order to have that, that hope of eternal life. And so we celebrate that today. We celebrate a risen Lord, not a dead Lord, but a risen Lord. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for paying the penalty that we could not pay, for dying on the cross for our sins so that we may be reconciled back to you. And Lord, even today as we celebrate the resurrection and what that means, it gives us great joy and hope for the future. A time that we get to be with you each and every day through your resurrection, that you defeated death. And Let's also be mindful that there are many around us who do not know this good news. Lord, help us to be faithful in sharing that with family and friends, that we'd be committed to that, sharing the true gospel. Lord, I thank you for our time and families coming together and 
Lord, as we're about to come around your table, again, all part of that remembrance. Well, it may be a sweet time of fellowship, fellowship of the believers here. Lord, we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask the men to come forward, and we are going to partake of communion this morning. And if you are visiting with us, I want to assure you that um, it's an open communion table. That means if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are welcome to partake. You are welcome to, to join us. Uh, we open it up to all believers. But we also take it very seriously at Point Way. We, we take it uh, as the Scripture says. And so we take note of that. And Scripture tells us, it says, So whoever eats of the bread or drinks from the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. It says everyone should examine themselves before they eat of the bread or drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And one of the things that we like to do here at Point Way is give you an opportunity to examine your heart before God, to talk to Him, to make sure there's nothing in the way of you partaking this morning. So right where you're at, we just take a moment of silence, just bow your head between you and the Lord and uh, speak with Him. I'm going to ask Rick if he'll give thanks for the bread and the cup that we're about to receive and what it represents. Amen.
you were with us on Friday night, this took a lot longer as we had so many people at the Good Friday service. And so, but it was, again, another sweet remembrance and a time of fellowship together as a community. So. Notice the cups are stacked, and so the bread is underneath. So it's an opportunity to do it together as a family. Scripture goes on to say, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. Lord Jesus, on that he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and whenever you drink it, remember me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and close us out in song and prayer. And I noticed even this morning with, with all you guests and with all you folks here, there are still cups left. And there's still chairs that are empty, and so it should be a reminder to us that there are loved ones and other people out there that do not know Christ. And so may I encourage you this week to, to share your faith, even today, as you have family and friends that may not be saved, that you share the good news, testify to what the resurrection means to you, and share your faith.